Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the FortiGuard Labs Threat Intelligence Podcast, where we talk about threats in the cyber world. Today, once again, I'm joined by the cybersecurity expert, Amar Lakhani. Amar, how is it going over there in Houston? It is great, Jonas. Always good to be back with you on another podcast. Good to have you back, Amar. The last two weeks, we have seen many viruses and exploits in the wild. We covered a lot of them in the weekly threat intelligence brief. We have seen malicious file uploads, 10 million ransomware attacks, phishing campaigns on Twitter targeting high-profile accounts, and last but not least, Emotet seems to be back too. Behind all those attacks, people are involved, and not all of them have the same goal, tactics, and techniques. I assume hackers are not all the same and they have different skill sets, mindsets, methodologies and different opinions about what's right and wrong. Can you give us a quick overview about those different threat actors? Well, Jonas, at FortiGuard Labs, we're always looking at attacks, but we're always trying to understand the motivation behind attackers. What we're finding, at least to the best of our ability, we're finding that most attacks are probably motivated for financial reasons. That's why you see such a majority of ransomware attacks, or that is also why you hear about so many data breaches, because when a company or a customer you know, has a data breach, the goal of an attacker is to usually grab intellectual data or PII, personal identifiable information. And what they do with that information, that personal information, is try and sell that to create fake identities or loans or some other scam. Of course, we have all other types of motivations as well. State-based attacks obviously are motivated for homeland security, for uh, you know patriotic reasons. Uh, there's hacktivism, maybe political reasons, a lot of different types of motivation out there. But I think the majority of attacks that we see today, at least, are mostly categorized for financial incentives. So it's all about the money. Talking about the money... In the normal world, we have a lot of businesses who try to make money on a legitimate way. In the cyber attack world, do you see individuals or are they also organized as businesses? So Jonas, I just have to add, when you said it's all about the money, I have to quote the famous poet P. Diddy, who said at one point, it's all about the Benjamins, <laughs> because it really is. Uh, we see, you know, we we don't know exactly uh, all the time who's behind attacks. But what we do know is some cybercrime organizations are really well organized. Some of them have almost an equivalent of a CFO or a CEO. Some of them have account managers that have quotas to sell certain amounts of malware, uh, some of them have marketing departments, and that is why you actually see ads of different types of malware and different types of attacks on underground forums and hacker forums as well. So you mentioned underground forums and hacker forums. So I I came across those type of websites and saw that sometimes they don't even ask for money. All they ask for are affiliate services. So if you make, if you purchase one of those services and make money, they want to have a piece of it where other times they sell data or use the data which they had in for initial access and, and sell this kind of information. So what is the impact when someone sells those kind of informations on the dark web? 
Yeah, just to just to back up a little bit, what these affiliate services are is they're advertising. They want to use your contacts. They want to get into your address book. They want to get into the people that you know, and they're going to attack essentially your friends. So essentially, you have to be not a great person if you're going to like start attacking your friends and your own contacts. And what the affiliate services are hoping to do is from your contacts, from your hundred contacts or two hundred contacts, they're going to attack machines and going to spread. It's going to spread like wildfire. They're going to be able to grab more contacts and more contacts and more they spread. And that's what they're always short on, right? They're always looking for email addresses from data breaches, from leaks, from different things that come out, but they always want more. And of course, what the impact is, is that a lot of times we see attacks coming from our friends whose accounts may have been compromised. So you may have an attack coming in like, you know, saying, hey, I'm, I'm your friend Jonas, like I'm, I'm stuck in a different country, like I'm out of money, can you help me out? But it may be a scam. You may be like, oh my God, let me help my friend out. He's in trouble, but you don't realize you're being scammed. And then next time you talk to me on the phone, I have no idea what you're talking about. That, so you realize the scam a lot later sometimes. Uh, very interesting. I think it's also important to point out that the bad guys today, they have a big, diff they have different uh, methodologies and also a big different skill set. And not every bad guy is a bad guy on purpose. So we have internal user error where people just configure systems bad and which might open a door for certain attackers for initial access, where on the other side, we do have those sophisticated attack groups who try to make as much money as possible. So seeing the recent attacks the last two weeks, for example, the phishing campaigns on Twitter, it seemed to me that was more a social engineering approach where other attacks against uh, with ransomware techniques, they were more sophisticated and they had more time to prepare and uh, really, really knew what they were doing and, and decrypting this kind of information to get the ransom paid. Yeah, you're right. Attackers are not only use complicated attacks, but as you pretty much alluded to, they will use chained attacks. And what a chained attack means is that we're using attack one or technique one. And if that doesn't work, we'll use technique two. If that doesn't work, we'll use technique three. And one of the things you mentioned, especially when you mentioned with a Twitter attack, it was a social engineering attack. One of the things pretty much every pen tester, every blue team defender will tell you when they've tested a network is if they cannot get past security products, they will go ahead and start doing a social engineering attack. It's just like when you go up to a door in a security in a secure building where everyone's supposed to use a badge. But, you know, if I carry like a box of heavy things, everyone's opening the door for me. That's that's a form of social engineering attack. It's granted it's a physical social engineering attack, but you can do that on the cyber cyber scheme as well. F phishing attacks, uh, spam emails, they can be a type of social engineering attack as well. A social engineering attack for the most part means that the user that's already behind the network, that's already in the secure area is opening the door for you, whether that's in the digital world or in the physical world. That makes a lot of sense indeed, since people are usually the weakest link in the chain and exploiting this kind of, uh, exploiting those people makes, is the easiest way to get into companies. What would you recommend for our listeners and for corporations and, and enterprises in general, how to be better prepared against those kind of attacks? 
You know, the first thing you also kind of alluded to is I would try and identify who's attacking you. Now, that seems like it's a very difficult thing to do. But the more you look at cyber attacks, the more you start to recognize what's the difference between a configuration error versus someone malicious trying to attack you. You talked a little bit about TTPs, uh, techniques, tactics, uh, procedures. And, uh, you know, some attack groups, some attackers use the same techniques over and over again. In fact, why would you change if they work? So they use the same techniques. And sometimes you can recognize an attack group based on those techniques. It's like fingerprinting. Now, now you have to be a little careful. Anytime you do any type of attribution, you have to be a little careful because that can be tricked anyways. That can be kind of faked, right? If I wanted to set up someone else, I might as well use their techniques if I know them well enough. Now, the last thing you said is, what can I do to protect myself? And the first thing you can do is education. We've talked about this many times is education and awareness is one of the best things you can do. But that's not the only thing you have to do or can do. In fact, if that is the only thing you do, you will probably fail. You still have to invest in cybersecurity. You still have to know your enemy, uh, as uh, as the famous saying goes. And you still have to understand how to how to attack as well, uh, attack and uh, defend, uh, so you understand both sides of the coin. So there are a lot of different components which are important here. First of all, you need to know who you deal with. Second of all, you need to involve all the people in your company when it comes to awareness. So they don't click on those malicious links and do not open attachments from emails just out of curiosity, which often leads to initial access for attackers. And then third but not least, you also need the technology to have different kinds of layers to protect against more sophisticated attacks and exploit attempts against all your services which run in your corporation. You're exactly right. And pretty much what you're saying is you have to have a good plan. There is an unlimited amount of attackers in the world, and you only have a limited amount of resources and time in your organization. But, uh, you know, another reference, let's not forget, uh, King Leonidas only had 300 soldiers to defend against our army of millions, or who knows uh, what, the, what the story is, right? But uh, they, they did a pretty effective job, even though they all lost at the end in the in the Greek tale. But uh, but at the end of the day, we're not that much different. We have a limited amount of resources and we have a limited amount of um, time. But if we focus that time and focus those resources, which we can with a good, solid plan, we can be effective in defending our organization. Indeed, it's all about how we use the resources we have and how good we plan ahead. Because these days, we have seen it just this week, it's, it's horrible, but many companies, they rely on active services from the cloud. And if your headquarter, if your backbone of your company gets compromised and you have all those devices out there in the world and they can't connect back to the users on all those places around the world, connectivity is interrupted and services go offline, which has a big impact on a lot of different lives in the end.
No, you're absolutely right. I always tell people when they are, uh, you know, when they have a very aggressive cloud strategy, I I tell them, especially now that it makes sense in Houston, while, while we have hurricanes with clouds, you always have rain. So be prepared for that. Right. And it's the same thing with, uh, you know, having your having your cybersecurity in the cloud or having your digital transformation strategy 100 percent in the cloud. That's great. It gives you a lot of flexibility. It gives you scalability. Uh, it gives you room to expand really fast. But at the same time, you need to be able to understand, you know, how to continue with your business when you do have outages. How do you pen test in the cloud? How do you make sure you have compliance in the cloud? And and there are there are definitely like solutions for that. They're they're really well documented solutions. There are products for that that work really well as well from, uh, you know, from vendors like like us from Fortinet. We have a lot of uh, products in the, in the cloud. Uh, but at the same time, I think you have to start with a plan and make sure you understand what that plan is. Indeed, having it running in a cloud or in your own data center, it all comes back to understand what kind of environment you're dealing with. What are the threats out there? What do need to what do I need to do to protect myself as best as possible? and use the resources you have as efficient as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, thanks again, Amar, for this week's contribution to the Threat Intelligence Podcast. It was a pleasure once again to talk with you about all those threats. And hopefully we will not have too many more thunderstorms in, in Houston this week so you can sleep a little bit more. Absolutely. It's, uh, I think uh, the rain is going to go away and it's going to be hot and sunny like it is always. But Jonas, as always, it's, uh, it's a pleasure being, uh, being with you on a podcast. Thanks a lot, Amar. And we are out for this week.